heads up. This episode, John and Sebastian cross-examine bad aliases, disappearing beards, and flying rowboats. As this court is called to order on Here's Why It's Great. Welcome to Here's Why It's Great, the podcast where we take what you hate and tell you why it is great. I am John Bring, your host, and as always with me is Sebastian Kedlechik. Hello, it's me, David Belson. It's David Belson, uh, not Bruce Belson. That'd just be crazy. That'd be crazy. Couldn't possibly be Bruce Belson. We are back uh, right on time, one month later, as promised, (laughs) and we are here to review, not review, we're here to just chat about... The next in the Incredible Hulk series, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Which I was very excited about because this movie has ya boy. My boy. Daredevil. Yeah, uh, it's got Daredevil in it. It's got a little bit of Hulk in it. <laughs> it's got Hulk in it almost. Um, it has the most unhinged version of Wilson Fisk I think we'll ever see <laughs> uh, in live action. It's got the very first cameo of Steve Steve Lee. Steve <laughs> of Steve Lee, you know, noted comic book creator Steve Lee. His brother Stan also is in this. <laughs> yes, yes. Wait, is his brother Stephen Lieber? I, I don't is know that where I got that from. Or did I, I don't just know. Have a stroke. I don't know. I, I, think, I think you just had a stroke. Well, I'm back, and we're talking about Hulk. Trial. What? We are talking about Trials of Hulks. And, uh, okay, so just to recap, last time we were here on Here's Why It's Great, and the last time we saw David Banner, he had a big adventure with Thor. He met a lady. He had a relationship with her, but he had to move on. He had to leave her with the dog. (laughs) And he walked down that beach and stuck his thumb out, and the sad piano music played. He's gone, boy. He's gone. He's gone forever, boy. So he left his life behind after the Hulk messed everything up. Thor went off on some adventures that we will never see again because that backdoor pilot did not happen. And am I missing anything? Am I forgetting anything from the last movie? That's pretty much it. The last movie was very entertaining and fun. And had had a story for our lead character, for our titular character, Mm -hmm. the Incredible Hulk slash Dr. David Banner. Mm -hmm. And that, he was going by Dr. David Banning? Banyan. Banyan, that's right. They come up with some weird names for him. Man, I I would love to, like, go back over the series and just see how many different B names they came up with that were close to Banner and not quite. Why wouldn't he come up with, like, a a completely different name, like... Dr. David Edwards or whatever, like David Banner. <laughs> yeah, like he had. To, he's like, well, I, I just can't possibly have an alias if it doesn't <laughs> slightly rhyme with my real name. Well, he's got. I remember in uh, the Thor movie, mm-hmm. the, 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 Return the Return of the Incredible of Hulk. Hulk. Go uh, listen to our last episode if you want to find out all about that one. As per our previous email, um, where he had his recorder and he was like Banner, DB. Like he just always has to have the DB. Yeah, it's his calling card. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, in this episode, well, I guess it's not an episode. It's a sequel to the movie. This is a made-for-TV movie, my Yeah, friend. the last one was a big success. This is a feature film. Yes, of course. Of course, directed by the man himself, Bill Bixby. BB. Uh, Bill Bixton, as he would call himself <laughs> if he was on the run. Uh, he directed this one, and it is an interesting movie. So it's got gravitas. Like like we always talk about how Bill Bixby has gravitas. This whole movie, I would say, has some gravitas. It, There's some heavy stuff going on. I mean, it's definitely a, a heavier movie than the last one 
uh, even though the last one, like, I think did have, I, I, I think David's, David Banner's plight in the last movie was a little more central. It was a mm-hmm. little bit more primal on his part. And this yeah. time, uh, it really is, this is just, this is the Daredevil show. This truly is the Daredevil show. So Banner takes a backseat, Hulk takes a backseat to Daredevil and therefore, I think it loses a. Li- and even though Daredevil is a darker, grittier character, I still think it lo- lost a little bit of that grit that the first one had. That's interesting to hear you say that. I, I think this movie, I see this movie as grittier than the first movie. Mm-hmm. But as you said while we were watching it, it has a bit more of a sort of over the top comic booky feel, even yeah. though the previous one had a demigod. Yeah. Or a god. So I didn't watch this one as many times as I watched the Incredible Hulk Returns. Right, you didn't. So, you weren't doing like hand flips and and li- you only said one or two lines this time. Yeah. Oh, I still knew basically all the lines, but I. Right. But I didn't have the joy of the hand flips, and it didn't. It didn't. This movie didn't bring me as much joy when I was young as uh, the Incredible Hulk Returns, and in this movie, I would say, in the last podcast, you asked me if there because there was so much Thor. Did I miss seeing the Hulk? And I said, no, there was enough of the Hulk. He had a lot of Hulk outs and Incredible Hulk yes, Returns. tons. Um, it was very fun. Thor was very fun. Um, I liked Daredevil as a character, but he's definitely a more street character. He's just not as fun in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And um, so I did miss the Hulk in this movie. I remember being a kid and being disappointed that there wasn't more Hulk. This is the first time in these movies, and it Spoiler, it doesn't get any better. But this is the first time that I felt like, oh, I wanted more of the Hulk. Oh, I did too. Daredevil. And jumping ahead, in the third act, you don't see the Hulk at all. Like, yeah. And there's a really a setup of Hulk and Daredevil are going to go after this guy together. Like, And so my little brain was like, this is going to be phenomenal. We're going to see Daredevil and the Hulk working together to bring down Kingpin. And instead it's just Banner. Like He's just running around. Yeah. Helping, and but he he's just like barely does anything. An older dude just running around with a you know yeah, and you're right. He barely does anything at all. Yeah, I think he like strong arms one thug, and then yeah. and then it's really the other guy Edgar who is Kingpin's uh, right hand man who actually does the bad guy in. He, yeah, he smashes a vase over the guy's yeah, head. Flower pot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I got excited right at the beginning of the movie. We're gonna jump around. We're not gonna like go through the plot of this thing. We're just gonna talk about our thoughts in a general way. And I'm just gonna say overall. Yes. Very this movie's great, because here's why it's great. That's the name <laughs> of the show. But I think this one was not, didn't hit all the high notes of the last one. Like, the last one, I would watch again. Whereas this one, I'm like, mm, would I? Yeah. Because this one, you felt the TV budget a little bit more this time around. It definitely yeah. felt cheaper. Uh, we Like you said, we did not see the Hulk much. We didn't see him at all in the third act. We saw him, he helps Daredevil once. It, it's interesting, because the Hulk... Felt like it had more, uh, it was less an uncontrollable monster and seemed more like Banner lear- finally learned how to like focus it. Like he's a gun. What's the line from uh, from the Incredible Hulk movie, the Edward Norton one, where is uh, it like, I, I, it's like the Hulk is a gun and they just got to learn how to point it. Yeah. So it, him, yeah. it feels like Banner has, or Banning or Bunyan or whatever his name <laughs> is. Uh, he's Belson. Belson. Uh, he's learned how to do that by this point. So the couple times the Hulk does appear, he seems very like targeted. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's it, it's just not enough. I guess it's 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 almost as if at the very end he consciously decides not to let the beast loose. Yeah. Even though it would be pretty helpful because Daredevil went up against like quite a few people. And like you said, at that point, he's basically learned how to kind of aim him. It's almost like the Hulk carries over a little bit of whatever David was experiencing. Right. He like 
satisfies that mission. And then in this movie too, which is different from the last one, and in, in most cases, he usually turns into the Hulk and then he runs away. Yeah. And, and that's the end of it. And then you see David later. Or as happens in Incredible Hulk Returns, he turns into the Hulk and then much, much later, we catch up with him on the beach and he kind of collapses and turns into David Banner mm-hmm. in order for Maggie to find a shirtless David on the beach. Right. In this one, two different times that he hulks out, of which there's only, I think, four, four. times. Yeah. He does what he needs to do and then immediately reverts to being David. Oh, man. The one when he, like, saves Daredevil from the Kingpin's goons yeah. and then, like, literally two seconds later, he's back to... It's yeah. like he chose, like, okay, well, the Hulk did his part. Exactly. Now it's back to being it's back yeah. to being Banner. That's his, exactly what you're saying. His, his adrenaline should still be up at that point. Yeah. He should still be raging. And instead, it's, like, mission accomplished and now I'm going to turn into David. Yeah. And same thing happens when the first time that he hulks out, he runs away. And as soon as he turns a corner, he turns into David so that the police can find David. Right. And it's just a weird... A little bit of a weirder thing to see him fulfill his mission then turn which speaks to your like it being very targeted whereas before he was more uh you know chaotic and he was yeah more of a monster he was and a just, monster he Un- would turn it was unpredictable no control over yeah. over what happened and uh i got excited when during the very very first hulk out uh it's on a train a woman is getting assaulted she's asking for his help and banner doesn't want to get involved as usual because he doesn't want to let the beast out and then he finally does the guys you know rough him up a little bit and throw him to the edge of the bus and where he and then he next thing we know his eyes are white and we actually I, I guess we get a couple of actual like transformations but i feel like the transformations are largely done off screen this time yeah it's usually just him jumping up from behind something and poofy's the hulk and I was ex- I was thrilled because like all right great we're kind of we kind of got to it earlier in this movie than we did in the last one because the yeah. last one they waited and waited as we as we discussed then they let they kept it hidden for a long time and yeah. then finally when he did become the Hulk it was like oh shit here we go yeah so anyway we're already we're maybe only what ten minutes into the movie fifteen minutes into the movie and yeah. he's already hulking out and it's like hell yeah let's go boy and he does and. It's again. It's over very quickly, and I, I I was excited because he immediately throws the guy through the doors of the train. Yeah, and it looks really cool. And he goes like sliding across the uh, the entire uh, floor of the the train station, which is the Burrard Station of Vancouver, which I have been in before. They've done it up nicer now. No, no surprise <laughs> there. Uh, but he slides across the whole floor, and I was like, okay, here we go. Like this is going to be more interesting. Like. That's the biggest feat of strength I've seen from the Hulk in terms of like him fighting an individual bad guy. Because mm. usually he like tosses a guy behind a counter or something like that, or through a table, as we'll see later, mm-hmm. and that's kind of that. But like this seemed like an actually a stronger Hulk than we'd seen before. He used him as a bowling ball, basically. Yeah, and I thought that was cool, and I I thought that was setting the stage for some bigger shenanigans from the Hulk, some bigger action from the Hulk, and. That's not what we got, because immediately after that happened, he ran, and I think that's probably the biggest, coolest thing he does in the whole movie, is throw a guy through the doors. I mean, at the at the, the fake trial, and the dream, in the, uh-huh. in the middle of the movie, Banner has a dream where he hulks out while on trial, and he rips shit up. Hence the name, Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that's other, the only time he's on trial. Uh, otherwise, other than his dream sequence, he's not on trial at all. So he's like kind of ripping shit up in that, but... Yeah, you don't get like an incredible, like a quote unquote incredible feat of strength. He does, you know, his normal thing, which is tossing guys around. Yeah. That's really it, right? He doesn't bend any bars. He doesn't, well, I guess he gets, 
out of the prison, but he, yeah, I guess you don't see him. I yeah. guess he does bend bars and crash through a wall, um, Kool Aid Man style. But you just see his like, look. <laughs> luckily, it's not a cartoon like his body in the wall. But you just see the hole where his where yeah. his body went through. You don't see him actually charge through it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like in actually in the previous movie, in the Thor movie, he jumped really high yeah. and we didn't see that he fell from high heights we didn't see that he held onto a helicopter there was just a lot more he bent bars variety of stuff that he did in the, yeah. in the first movie in this one as you said i guess you kind of feel the budget a little bit he doesn't he does a lot of stuff off screen or he does a lot of slow motion running or there's a couple throws that he gets yeah. my favorite hulk out in this movie is in the trial that's one of my favorite hulk outs of all time because in this movie david banner has a beard. He looks pretty grizzled. He looks pretty like over life. Yeah. And he's got, um, when he's on trial, it really, I would say this movie also has a lot more of a like soap opera feel. Yes. The, the woman, what was her name? Ellie Mendez. Ellie Mendez. Yeah. Um, she is the woman on the, on the train that gets basically assaulted. And that's really, it starts there being pretty heavy. And she brings it up a lot of times during the movie where she's like, it, I all I did was say no to this man. Yeah, like I'm just a woman traveling on a train, which is you know, to me. I was like, wow, they're really addressing some stuff here. Yeah, because it's this woman who just happens to be traveling on a train alone and can't even live her life. And she says that in the in the movie multiple times of like, all I did was say no to this man. I should be able to say no. Can't a woman say no? Um, you know, I have a whole life. You guys have ruined my whole life. She's as you said, maybe in a different movie, but. I was I thought it was really interesting that they tackled something so big in this movie, so it has a little bit more of a soap opera feel. But um, Bill Bixby, as he's so amazing and just looks like the life has taken a toll on him. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to the um, the trial dream sequence, which you don't know it's a dream sequence right away, but like Murdoch and Matt Murdoch and um, uh, Klein is her last name. I, I'm forgetting her first name, but his partner with the law firm. They're both going after Chris, Christy Klein. Christy I think? Klein, I think. Yeah, yeah. They're both going after David um, uh, when they're interrogating him. Of like, you need to go on trial. Like, you need to stand up. You need to blah blah. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And that leads directly into the dream of um, you. You have to. You know, David. If that is even your real name, and it just like amps up and amps up and amps up, and then. He's on the witness stand in the dream. And even the judge is like slamming his gavel and is like, you yeah. must answer the question. And uh, it's just like getting like, it's building to a crescendo. Yeah. And then finally you see David like kind of like grunting and wheezing. And then he looks up and you see those eyes. Oh, yeah. And he's doing something that I friggin' love in this transformation where he is like... <sighs> Oh, yeah, he's, like, really hissing. He's, like, hissing. Like, he looks... And I think I described this in the previous podcast, but he actually looks like he's being overcome by a demon. Like, he looks to me like he is a man possessed. And the way that he's actually, like, hissing at people, and it's all built to this just crescendo, this flurry of emotions. And he's, like, hunched over. He's grabbing the banister in front of him. David Banister. Mm. He's grabbing the banister. I'm sure he used that one at some point over the series. He's grabbing the banister in front of him on the witness stand, and his eyes are white, and his his brow is furrowed, and he's, like, 
gritting his teeth and hissing at the people around him. And then that turns into a roar, like a growl and this, yeah. just this animal sound coming out of him. And then he becomes the Hulk. That is absolutely one of my favorite Hulk outs of all time. Like it's just incredibly intense and scary. And I remember yeah. being a kid and being frightened by that moment. Like I was, I was so into it, but I remember just being like, Oh my God, like he is like possessed or something. Yeah. That is a scary Hulk out. Uh, the, the, the jury is barely reacting to anything he does. <laughs> I think Stanley is, uh, playing the foreman of yep. the jury. He doesn't have any lines, but it's, I believe if I'm not mistaken, the very first Stanley cameo, the first one, and movie. he doesn't look that much different than he did in the <laughs> Marvel movies, uh, uh, before he passed. But, uh, he's there. He's giving good reactions. He's giving good face, but I feel like the rest of the jury as Stan and Steve do. Of course, of course. <laughs> the rest of the jury not giving us a whole lot, but it is a scary moment and it is one of it is by far the best like Hulk out moment of the entire movie because everything else again is mostly off screen. We see the white eyes a good bit, but we don't yeah. see a ton of him actually transforming. And then he goes ape shit. Yeah, on he tears everything. up that courtroom. Yeah. He like he rips up the jury box. Like he mm-hmm. actually lifts it up. They all have to jump out and fall out. Uh, different deputies and stuff come after him. He throws them or he the guy, bats them away. He hits one guy and he goes flying through the window. That was my favorite <laughs> one of those. I also love how uh, it's a callback, um, but they set up that Matt Murdock, who's blind, he has his walking stick. And when he was talking to David earlier, David tried to leave and he put his walking stick at his chest to stop mm-hmm. him. And you see that he's actually... I think what they're getting at there is he's also very strong. David goes to move the stick and it doesn't budge. Mm-hmm. Well, then he tries to do that to the Hulk and the Hulk just smacks him out of the way. Yeah. Just pushes him out of the way and breaks the cane and continues on his rampage. And then looks like he's going to kill the lawyer that was harassing David. Yeah. Um, he grabs him by the throat and just starts choking him. And all of that is very intense for what these movies and what this show uh, yeah. is. Especially that particular moment, which I think I saw in the trivia, they said that like certain home viewings, they actually cut out the shot of him throttling the guy. Yeah, because I guess that was one step too far. I mean, that's the moment where I mean, he is like throwing deputies into tables and tossing them through windows. But that's the only time he's like truly trying to murder somebody. So I get if they cut that one straight up strangling. Yeah. Yeah. So I could I could see them removing that one moment, but it's definitely the most fun part of the movie yeah is that segment it's the funnest part i think it's the most visceral part it's it's really fun and i think the the build up to it like i said where everybody's kind of shouting at each other in the real world and then into the dream sequence in the courtroom where everybody's like you know i want the truth you know right it's, it's very much that courtroom scene but they're all screaming at david it was giving me ghostbusters 2 trial vibes remember <laughs> uh the 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 main the uh the judge in that one yeah who uh eventually went on to play a uh, buddy in ozark uh oh, yeah. I, I always thought he was I, I always thought it was brian doyle murray in that part but it's not at all mm. it's 100 percent not him forget what that actor's name is harry something i think but styles yeah it was harry styles yep, yep. he was a zygote He's not even a zygote. Uh, but no, that guy was like so good. Anyway, that was just another intense trial scene. And everybody yelling. At, it reminded me the in the thing that obviously the, the ooze, the slime is bubbling over. That reminded me. Too, yeah. uh, Ghostbusters 2. Sorry. Yeah, of course. Uh, before the ghost bust out, the Scolari brothers. Um, right. I gave him the chair. Uh, <laughs> the, the bubbling over at the slime reminded me of like David 
possibly bubbling over, yeah. trying to fight it. And uh, this is why it's a bad idea to put yeah. this man on the stand. Yeah. He told them, don't he told do him. it. He told, he told them, don't do it, and they did. But that's what, I think that's actually something that's great about this movie, too, is that this is a dream sequence, but this is absolutely his fear, is that the Hulk is a murderer. His fear is that Hulk is not able to be aimed, that he is this monster, yeah. and that he will hurt Matt Murdock, he'll hurt anybody that's in his way, the jury, he'll, he'll murder this lawyer that's coming after him who doesn't necessarily deserve to die. Like, that's David's biggest fear, and that's what he's dreaming about, and then that leads into his next Hulk out in the, in the jail cell, yeah. where he's overwhelmed by the emotions of this dream and then hulks out again which is also kind of scary because it's in the dark and Mm -hmm. he's just wheezing and stuff in front of a shattered mirror that's why i think this movie is kind of gritty it but it's got it as you said has a very different tone from the first movie which i thought thought was very fun yeah this movie i feel like is less fun except for that let me let me clarify i think like visually this is a much grittier film i think it is street level it's daredevil like i love certain aspects of this like the hovel he finds himself in uh david does when he goes to the city of vancouver uh though they never name the city i think the fact that it is daredevil who is in a street alley type superhero Mm -hmm. versus wilson fisk who's just he's not some sort of over the i mean he is very over the top when you see him pretty over the top uh but he's not like a cajun yeah uh you know like caricature so I think that there's a lot more grittiness, certainly a lot of visual grittiness, and I think that comes from probably mostly the the budget feeling like it got slashed. But I, when I say grittiness, I mean like emotional grittiness, I guess, because oh. I feel like I, I I still stand by. I think that Banner's story was really good in the first one. I, I think agree. he, I think Bixby brought so much to that part, and he still does. He still yeah. does a great job with it. But I think in term, he had, he had a story in the first movie, yeah. whereas this one, his story is a little bit looser. This yeah. one's a little bit more, uh, like, obviously the last movie was a uh, backdoor pilot for a, a Thor movie. This one is even more of a backdoor pilot for Daredevil. I think I'd said to you right after it ended, I was like, the first movie was a Hulk movie that happened to have a Thor backdoor pilot in it. Mm-hmm. This is a backdoor pilot for Daredevil that happens to have Hulk in it every yeah. once in a while. So yeah. I just felt that, like, David's story was grittier, was more emotional, was more real, in the first one. And that's why I, I was sort of missing that. Because in this one, his his arc isn't quite so strong. I, I, I agree. I think the first movie, it, it was that his story was more complete. He had, he had more going on for himself. It was the return of the Hulk. He hadn't hulked out in a couple of years. He was just dealing with more stuff. And I think they gave... I think they gave him the weight that he needed for mm-hmm. that first movie because the audience hadn't seen Hulk in like six years. We were all waiting for the Hulk to come back. Um, I think that's what bought them a little bit more time to get to the first Hulk out is because whether you're a fan or not, but like you were waiting for that to happen. And there was just a lot of him dealing with hulking out again when he thought he had it under control, when he thought he had a cure. Like there was a lot going on for his yeah. story yeah. that was very clear. He was about to cure himself and then it was disrupted and he had to deal with it. And ultimately he ended up having to move on. Whereas this one, he just sort of wanders into town because a guy roughed him up out on a farm and he was like, well, I guess I should just keep moving. It doesn't totally make sense that he was okay being in a prison. I think the idea of like, oh, he has a line that's like, maybe I belong behind a cage. And it's a cool line, but it doesn't. It's a prison. Obviously, you're going to get roughed up in a prison yeah. much more than you would anywhere else. Yeah. You know, if you're 
Belson, David Belson. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, ultimately, he has to, he breaks himself out. But I think that with the first movie, you, you hit the nail on the head that it was a Hulk movie that also had a backdoor pilot. I think this movie was very successful as a backdoor pilot of building a world for Daredevil. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. I, I would have watched that show. And I think they were probably thinking, we already did Return of the Hulk. Like, we already did that story with David. Now we need to just bring him into a city, have him meet somebody who's similar to himself that has is affected by radiation, who feels like something's been taken from him, but he's also been given these gifts. And that ultimately is what David says at the end. I need to use my gifts as a scientist instead of hiding all the time and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And this movie, unlike the first movie, your, your critique of the first movie was... Uh, particularly with the backdoor pilot was that they didn't set up like what happens next or what's oh, going yeah. next. Yeah, yeah. And this movie does that for both Daredevil and for the Hulk. They he says, "Oh, there's a um there's a laboratory right outside of Portland." And that is exactly where he goes, spoiler for this next movie. So like they did set up the thread of where David is going and then they also set up Fisk gets away, Kingpin gets away, yeah. but he's going to come back and Daredevil will be here waiting for him. I, I think I would have liked it. I think, I mean, the, the movie, you know, for it being the same length as the other one, it, it felt shorter, mm-hmm. uh, I think, because maybe, like, just less happened in it. But I would have preferred it a little bit if his saying, I have gifts and I need to use them, happened right before the third act, or if, if at that point he says, they're gifts and I have to use them. And he's talking about the Hulk. The Hulk, yeah. if he could... Like, that would be the ultimate character growth from David Banner is if he's finally, like, the Hulk isn't just a monster. He helped Daredevil. He helped this lady. The Hulk is a gift. Mm. And I can help people with the Hulk. Like, I mean, he even though he's been helping people with the Hulk, with the Hulk for however many seasons the show ran, yeah. I think that that would have been stronger. And then at the end of the movie, when they go to assault Fisk's tower, the Hulk actually comes out and... And instead of it just being a raging monster, it is like, okay, he goes after the right people, he helps Daredevil, whatever. But I think that would have just been more of an arc for him. Um, I agree. And, and I, I think, think that I could have used that little bit. No, I agree, 100%. And I, I think that even as a kid, I was expecting the Hulk at the end. I was expecting, even not thinking about his arc or whatever, I think you're yeah. right, particularly as a writer, like that would be the, the stronger choice. But I think, even as a kid, like I just wanted, I feel like what we were promised was that Hulk and Daredevil would team up at the end. And like you were saying that he's like, oh, I'm going to use my gifts. That should have been the Hulk. And as he's encouraging Daredevil to use his gifts of that radiation gave him, the gift that radiation yeah. gave David is the Hulk. So they yeah, should the have gift both... the radiation gave him wasn't his good smarts for science. Yeah, he, he had that before. Had that, yeah. That's what gave him the radiation in the first place. Yeah, so. exactly. So I agree with you. Another reason why I think this is great, this movie, <laughs> because I can tell you a couple of reasons why I think it's not great. His beard. So David has a beard. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that real bad. <laughs> Even as a kid, that bothered me. David has a beard. And when he turns into Hulk, he does not have a beard. He he has no, no like stubble, no nothing. And I know it's kind of ridiculous to get hung up on that on an Incredible Hulk movie. It's not. But I was like, wait, where did his beard go? Dude, it is not. I mean, like, I guess they were in a tough spot because... In the show, obviously, Bill Bixby kind of has, like, wavy brown hair. Mm -hmm. And when he's the Hulk, it's like Rod Stewart, kind of weird, spiky hair. Which would lead you to believe that if he had a beard, it would be weird, spiky (laughs) Rod Stewart beard. Yeah. Uh, Which would be hard to pull off. Yeah. But I do think that they should have had something. Yeah, something. Or have him shave before any Yes, exactly. Like, Like, have him get to his, uh, his hideout spot in the city 
shave and then the next thing you know because yeah i agree like it's really jarring and it just feels like lazy filmmaking it's to a, have him not have any kind of reflection of the real man that he is like yeah. that would have been cool if he because i was kind of excited when he started to hulk out the first time i was like oh shit are we gonna see the hulk with a beard yeah that'll be neat yeah because i love it when the comics when the hulk has a beard like the maestro had a beard like yeah. that was super cool yeah. uh so when he didn't i was i mean i mean i instantly turned to you i was like what what do you <laughs> think of this it's so funny because the things that you pointed out were the things that have always bothered me and have also lent themselves to why I don't do multiple rewatches of this. I mean, I've yeah. seen this movie a million times. Let's not kid ourselves. But yeah. I didn't watch it as many times as um, Incredible Hulk Returns because while I love it, it's a little bit less fun of a movie. Oh, yeah. And that things like that bothered me of like the not having the beard, um, him not showing up at the end, mm-hmm. um, just different stuff like that. But... I didn't know anything about backdoor pilots when I was a kid, but I did like seeing Daredevil. And I'm curious what your feelings were on seeing Daredevil on the guy who played Daredevil and on uh, the the suit, because the suit's actually not that different from the Netflix yes. suit. Yes. Um, there's some differences that I think are are minor, but make a big difference. Yeah. But it's still basically the black suit. His eyes are covered by black. You know, it's still similar style suit. So anyway, please. Yes. So that's probably the biggest part of this movie is the daredevil stuff. Like it, it pulled what Thor did in like between two commercials, they had like a full episode of Thor where they go to the bar, mm-hmm. everything like that. This truly just lives in daredevil land for most of it. They, they're, we're hanging out with, like you said, uh, uh, Kristen Klein with, uh, I believe his name is Sam, who's like yeah. the uh, assistant at the law firm that they that he works at. We're really just like living in Daredevil land. So it is mostly a Daredevil movie. And there's just a visceral thrill. Anytime Daredevil is jumping around and doing his flippies, I fucking love it. <laughs> when he's jumping on rooftops and stuff, and even when he like shoots the grappling gun and like, does a zip line over to Fitz building. Um, I loved that stuff. I love the action of Daredevil. Obviously, the martial arts were not exactly top level. Yeah. Uh, it I, was 1989. Yeah. Um, as far as the outfit goes, there were some things... When I first... When you finally see him in full costume, probably the best look you get of the costume is when he confronts a guy called Turk, who's actually a character from the comics. He's a character that's pretty prominent in the Netflix Daredevil mm-hmm. show. And he's basically just like the criminal that is willing to snitch on all the other criminals. He's like a bad, he's a bad guy who Daredevil can count on for information. Uh, so when we when he's with Turk having that conversation, we get a good look at the costume. And there are things that I like about it. I love obviously like the boot with the billy club mm-hmm. stuffed in it is cool. I like that it is that black costume like we saw in the Daredevil outfit. Or sorry, the uh, Netflix Daredevil show. Uh, the one thing I didn't love about the costume is the fact that the mask kind of goes around his neck and it's like a little tiny, just, just his mouth is visible. Like I, I think that I really like the bandana style from the Netflix show, yeah. uh, which is also the man without fear, Frank Miller comic version. Yeah. I, he looked dorky with most of his, with his ears and stuff covered up. Yeah. I thought I hear that. I, what I didn't love about it was the cut of the mask like it came down 
below his chin. Yeah. And so then you just see it whenever he's talking, like his chin is going up and down. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a weird thing. Like you can't, it's something in the comics, they would have like a chin thing around it or something. Like there's, there's yeah. ways of doing it in a comic book that obviously don't translate into live action. Yeah. Yeah. But, course. but I think they were trying to give him sort of a ninja, um, you know, American ninja. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, feel. But I agree with you. I, and, that, I, and that was cool. Like, I liked the ninja of it. Um, I didn't, like, I realized by the end of it that the thing covering his eyes was obviously a more sheer material. Mm-hmm. So we could probably, so we could see <laughs> to, to do the fight scenes and stuff. So it was a different material covering up his eyes. And so there's a slight color difference between the spandex on his head and the, the eyes, which just looked a little funky to me. It confused me as a kid. Yeah. Because I knew Daredevil from the comics. I knew all that stuff. But in looking at it, it was clear that it was, it almost looked like goggles with uh, sheer netting over yes, it. Yes, yes. And so when they go into Daredevil vision, it sort of looks, as you said, it kind of looks like Terminator vision. Yeah. And so when I first saw, I was like, oh, are they trying to give him like goggles that let him see? I was very confused right, right. by what was happening. I, I could see that. I'm sure the costume probably looked even better in the 80s when it was like, an old tube TV yeah. standard definition. I mean, we watched it on SD on my TV, but you know, yeah. even so, the the high def TVs are yeah. you know unforgiving and for old movies. Seventy five inch TV screens did not exist. <laughs> yeah, then, exactly, so. exactly. Uh, so that's how I feel about the outfit. The guy they got to play him, I kind of go back and forth on. I I kind of like him, but I also kind of hate him. Mm. I think one, his look was not great. For the, for the character. For Matt Murdock. For Matt Murdock and for Daredevil. Especially, I don't know, you want somebody with a really good chin. Yes. Because that part is all chin. Yeah. Daredevil is all chin. And that guy had a weak-ass chin. Yeah, as, a, as somebody who doesn't have the strongest chin as well, I think I was also very... That's kind of what I meant about the cut of the mask. Like, you can see his... Really accentuated his, his weak chin. chin. Yeah. yeah, and that was unfortunate. It's like how everybody that plays Batman has to have kind of nice lips. Yeah, um, yeah. That cut of the mask, you need a really strong chin. Yeah. And the guy had fine, like, the rest of his face was okay. And also, uh, <laughs> I the the hair, man. I know it's the 80s. I know it's 1989. I know, like, the woman who gets attacked, uh, what was her name? Ellie Mendez. Uh-huh. Uh, her hair was also gigantic. Big. And uh, what was it called? Aquanet? Like, yeah, their Aquanet yeah. budget must have been through the roof on yeah. this uh, on the show, this movie. But... I just kind of hated the hair. Uh, There was one scene when he's describing his origins to Bruce, Mm -hmm. or sorry, to David, where where we see him in the past and he's listening to this good cop who inspires him to become Daredevil. And it's just raining outside, so his hair is not quite so fluffy. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit matted down on his head, and it looks so much better, I thought. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Absolutely. And I just... Some sort of crazy Daredevil, if you will. Yeah. Of which was so heavy-handed, <laughs> but but fine. Uh, I really I liked his hair in that. I thought he, it made him look somewhat better. Obviously, I'm also a stickler, so I kind of wish he had red hair. Even though Charlie Cox in the Daredevil show barely has red hair, or if he does it even at all. Yeah. Uh, but also Charlie Cox is just perfect. He's he's, so, he's, awesome. he's so amazing. Awesome. I uh, speaking of Here's Hulk, why he's great. Hulks and Daredevils, I watched the She-Hulk show mostly oh. because I wanted to see Daredevil. And I like the character of She-Hulk, but that show was rough. It was rough to get through it. 
Uh, I just thought the the humor didn't work all that well. And but why it was great was eventually Daredevil shows up. Eventually, he had to wait for <laughs> six or seven episodes, but he did show up, and he was in the yellow costume. Yeah, and it was true. Charlie Cox, and those were the best episodes. And I think that gave her like her best scene partner to work with. Yeah. And I thought that was when I thought honestly the She Hulk character worked really well. Uh, it was a little bit less wink wink. It just could like she could just exist as an actual character instead yeah. of trying to be so. I really liked them together. Fourth wall breaking. And I, I they just played really well together. And anyway, that was another good example of Hulk and Daredevil together, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, opposites attract, I guess, because they are such different. And I thought they highlighted that well on the show where Daredevil's trying to do his hallway fights. He's trying to go in and yeah. be a silent assassin. And then she's busting through walls like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. And like uh, a Hulk. Yeah. Just fucking shit up. And I, I love that. So anyway, uh, just but back to the guy, which is uh, Rick Smith. Rick Smith. Rex Smith. Oh, Rex Smith. Yeah. Uh, he just he looked too derpy for me. Interesting. To be, interesting. To, he was cool. Like he, I feel like that look, and maybe that's an eighties uh, thing. But I, I, I don't know a ton about him. But I, what I read on the internet was that he started. Uh, with music first and then became mm-hmm. an actor i that explains the hair the that looks like somebody who was a rock star in the late 80s like <laughs> that the hairstyle totally fits that i i knew him a little bit before this from um i had seen a couple episodes i don't think actually i'd seen even a full episode but i i had seen him on street hawk um there was this uh tv show i guess in the 80s that um or not i guess it definitely was in the 80s i don't remember I don't know when in the eighties, but I know I had seen him on that show and it was a, he was basically wearing all black and he mm-hmm. had a motorcycle mm. and I, I wish I was Daredevil like, had a motorcycle. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I, but I remember like coming across this show, uh, street Hawk and the, the, he's the main guy. And it sort of looked like to me, like a Knight Rider uh, show, but mm-hmm. with a motorcycle. And I, I still, I, I swear, I don't think I've ever seen, a full episode. I just saw a cool thing in a warehouse where he like fought these guys and he was on his motorcycle. Uh-huh. And as a kid, that was enough. I was like, this is cool. Yeah. But as you remember back in the day, it wasn't like you could stream everything. It was just like, if you happened to catch a random show, it was just like you saw maybe a few minutes and then maybe you would find it again one day or maybe not. Right. Yeah. So 90% anyway. of what I watched was just what was on. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so I was familiar with him from, from that and I thought he was cool and I, I liked him as Daredevil. Um, but again, I discovered this as a kid when I was a little bit less, I had less built up of like who Daredevil is. Right, right, right. Who my dream casting and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, and certainly I had never seen Charlie Cox crush it as Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to follow. What I'm missing from Daredevil is what Bill Bixby brought to the Hulk, which is that gravitas. Because sure. I think they played the jokey quippy fun side of daredevil which he does have but what is more prominent and more important in the daredevil mythos is his catholic guilt his his guilt over what happened to his father and this innate goodness but also a real darkness underneath that and i think the darkness what was what was missing in this guy as a performer Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's why, maybe I just have too many expectations. Uh, I also have been building this up in my mind since I've known, <laughs> since I was young, reading in probably Wizard Magazine about this, that, oh shit, there's a Daredevil and Hulk movie out there somewhere. Yeah. And in my mind, I had built it up to be this this amazing thing. Yeah. And I think the guy, when he showed up, it was sort of like when Donald Blake showed up in the last Hulk movie, 
it was just like, oh, I don't know. This just isn't the guy. Yeah. I just don't want to watch. I don't want to watch a whole show with this guy. Interesting. Even if it is Street Hawk, which <laughs> honestly sounds kind of badass. I you know I kind of want to check out Street Hawk. I I haven't as I said I don't think I've seen a full episode of Street Hawk, but it was pretty cool to my little boy brain. Yeah, that's a fucking lutely a dude on a motorcycle beating ass and yeah. looking all cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, but I, so I think like there was in the moments when Daredevil is injured, he gets lured into a trap by the Kingpin yeah. and the Kingpin uses like this hyper, not even hypersonic sound, but just loud sounds to fuck Daredevil up. And he has a bunch of bad guys who beat him. And after that, Daredevil, the Hulk saves him. And afterwards, Daredevil's recovering. And that's when he's having his own Dark Knight of the Soul, which he gets over real fast. Pretty quick. But during that Dark Knight of the Soul, that was the most I liked him. Because that was the most of the what Daredevil is in my mind, because he's a guy that's tortured. Yeah. And as I said to you, the one thing I really liked is they got this right about Daredevil. That dude always gets his ass beat. Yeah. In the comics, in the shows, whatever it is, he is always getting his ass kicked before he wins. So I really like that they, they went there and they did have a chance to, to have him get beat up. Even though it was like one little tiny bruise on his cheek <laughs> and some tape around his tummy. What I wish they would have done to make it even greater is when you first meet daredevil you get to see him be super cool and super badass and i feel like the first fight that you see him have is with this crazed nurse and it i remember as a kid thinking it was almost kind of silly because here was this fairly slight woman holding her own against a superhero yeah against this against a superhero and, and particularly with a the brain of a child of like, wait, he's a superhero. Why can he not just beat this woman up yeah. in this fight? Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense that she's throwing him around. And he, his like finishing move is just pulling out his billy club and tripping her. Yeah. Um. So I remember thinking like, man, I wish he had a cooler kind of introduction. Yeah. I agree. Um, so that then when we see him get beat up, we're like, oh wow, how were they able to do that? That's yeah. a, that's a pretty big accomplishment by the bad guys, by, uh, by Kingpin master of technology with his mechanical chair. We will get to Kingpin. Don't worry. But yeah, so I, he's actually the best part of the movie. He's my favorite part. <laughs> so that by the time we get to that, we're like, oh man, that's, that's crazy. And we really get to feel it. it it's, it's interesting what you said about his, gravitas and his dark night of the soul because i was impressed even on this watching rewatching, that they really go into his backstory like they they're i mean they're setting up his show they're definitely oh, yeah. setting up his show yeah, yeah. and i think they did a great job of giving him his own commissioner gordon they give yep. him um a very clear arch enemy uh they give the arch enemy um a sidekick you know like there's a lot of stuff that they built in to what this show will be um, even a flying car at the end. But they yep. really build a world that Daredevil exists in. And you see spray paint around that's like Daredevil rules. When he does defeat that nurse, one of the other male nurses comes uh, that got thrown by this same woman. Yeah, yeah. He comes in and he looks out the window and he's like, Daredevil. Like, it's just cool that they build up this mythology. Yeah, he's got a whole myth around him. I, one of my favorite things at the beginning of the movie is when uh, Banner is walking around and you see Daredevil is written it's spray painted yeah. everywhere lots of graffiti with daredevil's name he's waiting at the subway station and he looks across right before the train shows up and there's a spray paint that says daredevil rules yeah. in red and i thought that was very cool yeah like you said it's myth building and yeah. and i do agree that i think that had we even seen one daredevil moment prior to him 
fighting with a nurse mm-hmm. with a probably maybe middle-aged lady. Of course, it was the 80s, so she might have been 26 for all I know. <laughs> times but were tougher. She, yeah, times were tougher. She, uh, yeah, the, and the fact that he didn't just, like, clobber her once and knock her out, uh, the fact that she put up a pretty good fight yeah. was kind of a weird way to introduce him. But I guess you do what you can do in these movies, like, budget-wise, yeah. you know, time-wise. They also... Don't forget that we have a very strict time limit because I got to sell ads for this thing. So yeah. uh, you got to just tell the story. And yeah. I I don't know when she was when she, when the nurse was going in with that needle. I was hoping to see a billy club fly out from the shadows and shatter it, and like the lady be like, "What?" And then Daredevil show up cinematically. Yeah. Not he was hiding in the curtains and just reveals himself like, "Ha ha, I'm here." You know that's such it a was good point, kind of though. funny. It's such a good point because. Uh, you know, I think both of us were such cinephiles, and and we love um, how TV is made and and everything that like we watch a lot, listen to a lot of commentaries, we watch a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and there are so many stories, even on like something like Buffy, where they're like, oh, I wrote it this way, but then we got there, we had so little time, we had to do this, and we had to make all these sort of compromises and concessions to get this done. Mm-hmm. So you can write it in a very cinematic way, and then you show up, and it ends up being oh yeah, whatever happened. And it is about like, well, we had to make our day, you know? And, yeah, of and course. So that very well could have been. They had some cool fight for him and then... The and most of that action that. scene was a one It's a wide shot that just follows the action around yeah. the room. There's a couple of inserts here and there, but it's mostly just, yeah, one yeah. one. Them camera. tumbling over a bed. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little silly. It's a little... It, it turned out a little funny, but... I do think there are some solid for the time Daredevil fights here mm-hmm. and there. I love certain aspects, like when he is walking down the hall and we see it in from his vision where he reaches up and unscrews the light bulb. I love shit like that. Da- yeah. That's why Daredevil is so cool. There's one moment where uh, where Bixby says, "Oh, there's a camera up there," and he and he throws his billy club up and then to break the camera and then he catches it. I love little things like that. Yeah, that that are that are very Daredevil. So I think they got some things right. I think probably, who knows, maybe I would have loved the show and just not loved the guy. But yeah. I think if the guy was a little bit more, I don't want to, I don't want to make it this kind of like reductive, but more like macho. Hmm. I don't know. Like he just seemed to, he just didn't seem tough to me. Uh. And obviously, like, barely fighting his way, uh, fighting with a nurse, yeah. and barely winning against a nurse is, is part of that. But yeah. but even so, even when he was out of the costume, he just didn't feel like a tough guy. Yeah, they, they definitely focused on sort of him being, I think, him being more of a heartthrob. Yeah, um, I guess so. And, or, but a sen- very sensitive soul. Mm-hmm. And um, even when he's talking to christy klein yeah and he puts her hand up on the window and stuff like there were definitely were building and again maybe this is about the show they were trying to build all the relationships for the show but of like that there's something romantic there and that they're you know that he's a, a very sensitive guy and yeah and when he does talk about his father he does it very sort of straightforwardly like i think they they were trying to build even when he talks to ellie mendez and she starts getting uh worked up and mm-hmm. he's like okay i'm gonna back up like he's he's a very kind of like kind yeah. nice guy and I so I see what you mean in terms of like there's not an edge to him there's not yeah. any sort of roughness to him but to all the points that you're making especially the the romance kind of bubbling with Christy Klein you know the one thing they also got right about Daredevil is Daredevil fucks <laughs> that dude gets laid more than almost anybody in the Marvel Universe I think he's he's betted quite a few of the different superheroes around uh, and I like that they did that 
aspect. Well, th- I mean, you mentioned it while we I were thought watching. He was gonna, I thought he was going to hit on Ellie, which I'm kind of glad he didn't because her story is about being sexually assaulted. Yeah. And I think that is one of the more, as you said, startling and successful stories in the whole movie. Yeah. But sorry, you were going to say. No, I was just going to say you had pointed out when we were watching that even David Banner is apparently like this magnetic person like God, every every movie the the women are kind of falling in love with him when they just meet him and in this movie the very beginning which side note that very beginning part where he gets roughed up by one of the i don't know one of the guys that works on the farm or whatever it is a canadian day player mm-hmm. yes a canadian day player where they're building they're digging a trench or whatever they're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. um but he throws uh david down so back in the day <laughs> If we weren't going to be able to watch something as it aired, you would record it, right? On the VCR. Of yeah. And sometimes what would happen is if the time on your VCR, the clock on your VCR, wasn't exactly the same as the network, mm-hmm. you would miss, miss a, couple a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, I definitely had that. And so that happened to me for Trial of the Incredible Hulk. So I didn't even know there was that beginning part until much, much later. Because I recorded oh, really? it off of oh. the TV. And it started right where he's talking to that woman. And she's like, oh, don't go into the city. Bad things happen in the city. That was I thought that was the beginning of the movie. And I was like, well, that's weird. What is she paying him for? Like, I, I was so <laughs> right, confused right, about what was right. going on. I was like, wow, they really dropped you right into this movie. But there's a whole, that whole thing I didn't see until years later when oh, I wow. saw an actual, like, DVD of the movie. Or or maybe it replayed. I can't remember. But my version on, on VHS recorded off the television missed those first two minutes Dang. and so i was like what is this is this like a bonus scene yeah it was as a from the special features from the <laughs> cutting room floor uh i had a similar experience with get this transformers the movie oh <laughs> the, wow. the the truest of uh of long-running things in this show is, <laughs> uh recurring themes yeah uh transformers the movie opens with unicron the giant planet-eating Transformer, Uh destroying a planet of little robots who are running around. And it's a pretty horrific scene. It's Mm. pretty chilling. And you watch this planet just consume it. You see all the people of the planet die horribly. It's a really terrific scene. And it goes from that, and then it cuts to Cybertron, where the Autobots and Decepticons, where we catch up with them. I Yeah, I think the exact same thing happened, where my VCR did not get those first, like, two to three minutes or whatever. And so when I saw that, I was like, whoa, what the <laughs> fuck? This is amazing. Because the animation's great yeah. in it, too. Um, so, yeah, same kind of thing. Just like a a tone piece, sort of. Something to set up the tone of what you're about to get into. Yeah. And for uh, Transformers the movie, it certainly set up the stakes of Unicron and what he's capable of. And for this movie, it did a nice job of setting up where David Banner is, where he'd rather just walk away from whatever he's doing to avoid... The Hulk coming out, which is kind of his thing. Yeah. But we just see that this is clearly the life he's been living since we last saw him in Return of the Incredible Hulk. Life sucks. It's hard. Why he went to the city, I don't know. She even warns him, like, I don't know if the city is a great place. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a good place to get lost. But the only thing I didn't like about him going to the city, it truly felt like, well, I got to go to the city because the movie started. And I need to <laughs> I need to randomly intersect with the story. Whereas in the first one, it felt he had a purpose. He was at a place. Yeah. He had made a life so that he could cure himself of the Hulk. It felt like his search for the cure was over until the very end, I guess. Yeah. So maybe it's partially him finding... Part of his arc is him finding the the desire to go look for that cure once again. Yes. But it just didn't... that's a good point. Didn't feel very... He didn't feel like he had a drive or a want at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, I think... 
he says it sort of when he's being interrogated by Matt Murdock, where he says, I just wanted to get a job and get buried or get lost or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think he did want to disappear amongst all these people, got some crappy little apartment and just wanted to be left alone Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of exist. And and in a lot of ways he was hiding. And as he says, like I wasn't using my own gifts. I wasn't, I think he realizes at the end, he didn't have that drive. It's maybe not as exciting or as there's not as much of a thrust to the movie because he didn't have it. But I think that was part of what he needed to get back by the end was, as you said, at the, by the yeah. end, he's like, oh, I'm going to go look at this place in Portland and continue my journey, whereas he was right. kind of just floating. Which maybe that's just this being the middle part of a trilogy. Maybe that's just yeah. how things go in terms of the overarching story of these three movies. And I, obviously, I, I doubt they planned out <laughs> a three-movie run. But it, this one, like you said, it plants seeds. So yeah. I feel like they knew that there was another one coming down the road. Yeah, But... Yeah, in this in the first movie, he had this possible cure for himself. He had the the woman he loved, and he honestly he sacrificed both. Yeah, he sacrificed the cure to save the woman, and then he sacrificed the woman because he knew the beast was still in him. Yeah, his stakes were very clear. His story was very clear. All yeah, in the first movie. Yeah, so I I kind of missed that. But and Daredevil also, other than just I want to stop Wilson Fisk, we don't exactly know why he wants to stop Wilson Fisk, other than. He's bad, I guess. Like, he doesn't do any... I mean, I guess he does a... He sort of runs a bank robbery, like, remotely. Yeah. He plants a bunch of cameras. He's very obsessed with cameras. I guess let's talk about the Kingpin. Let's talk about the Kingpin. Who I think is uh, a delight. Yes. Please give it to us. I I know you've got a line or something in there you can give us. Uh, A line from... Either from the movie or from your head. I know... I need to hear the Fisk voice. Oh, uh... Well, it's John Reese davies so (laughs) it's just, uh, we are going to take over this town. An octopus cannot be all legs. You need, (laughs) it needs to have a head. (laughs) What the line is. I submit myself and the film behind me is my resume. My resume. Uh, So, yeah, so we have John Reese davies a special appearance by John Reese davies who at this point, I don't know if his main thing he was known for was Indiana Jones, but that's all I knew him from. That's that certainly point. the the thing that I know him best from. Uh, that and his delightful portrayal of Gimli, son of Glowin, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which he's my favorite character in those movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew that. He is. Oh man, I love him. Like his line, uh, "Let them come." There's one dwarf yet in Moria who still draws breath. <laughs> I like say that all the time. Uh, I love that he rolls his R's for no reason. I love how Shakespearean he is. Yeah, oh my god, he's pretty Shakespearean in this movie. And I feel like he was from a different movie. I feel like there were several different movies going on. And I think that Ellie and his and the Kingpin's side guy, Edgar, were in their own movie, mm-hmm. weirdly. Kingpin was his own movie, Daredevil was his own movie, and the Hulk was his own movie. So it was that's maybe why this feels a little disjointed. But yeah. man oh man, is he so dumb and fun in this movie. <laughs> He's got this weird slick back hair. He does not look anything like the Wilson Fisk that we've come to know in the comics. He's not bald. He's not clean shaven. He is obsessed with technology. He's, he wears a suit. He wears a suit. No but ascot. It's, but it's not white. It's not white. It ain't white. It's just a regular pinstripe suit. No ascot. Uh, no cane with a giant diamond on top. It's true. He does have diamonds, though. He does have diamonds. That is a good point. But man, oh man, he is ridiculous. He's always wearing these highly reflective glasses which Bixby uses to reflect the TV screens constantly in mm-hmm. his in his vision, which I think there were a couple shots that were really cool yeah. where he does that. 
A couple shots where the reflection is weird and not used well, where he'll put on the glasses dramatically and then they're reflecting nothing in front of him. Like, uh, they're the cameraman. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so, but John Reese Davies is just so over the top. He is so hammy. He is chewing up yeah. every bit of scenery and he's got a killer set. Like the set looks like the evil version of Michael Douglas's office from wall street. Ah, it looked like yeah. that. Uh, but from hell, he's ridiculous. He's super fun. He's obsessed with technology mm-hmm. and he wants to run the crime Lord district uh, yeah. he wants to, to make them a the corporation organization they uh, refer to it as the organization a few different times oh and i didn't realize i didn't pick up on that matt murdoch um at, at times talks about the organization that the the police officer talks about the organization so they are definitely establishing that there right. is this crime syndicate right at one point i was like are the ninja turtles going to show up because there's oh a, hell yeah <laughs> but there's definitely this crime syndicate and this crime wave that's happening and they believe that the kingpin is behind it he he keeps saying i have no proof i need proof um christy is like not without proof matt like there's everybody's talking about having proof like he knows it but he can't prove it right and there's even he even recognizes the two thugs that like rough up David like he's like oh I know who they are yeah like that there's just like the same thugs that Kingpin is always using to do these crimes I just can't get caught I guess but yeah he's I think what's so interesting about it is it's very much a like late 80s early 90s view on uh basically supervillain or a a Kingpin of crime Mm -hmm. where he has technology and that relates to oh he's he's got video cameras everywhere (laughs) so like when they're robbing the diamonds in the beginning he has them set up video cameras and then he gets the feed to tell them like get draw four draws w through it like he's like kind of commanding them as they're going through it yeah and he's got all these screens up multiple screens i think is shorthand for like whoa this guy is like on the cutting edge of technology yeah Yeah. and he's got (laughs) he's got a chair that you could just swivel in, and I'm sure that's what he's doing. He's swiveling yeah. in it. But they added a sound effect of like, yeah, <laughs> it's like a mechanical. <laughs> it's like hydraulic. Every time he turns, that made me that made me chuckle. And then eventually, there's a scene where he's meeting with all the rest of the bosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the scene where he presents his resume uh, <laughs> to uh, to be the the to be the kingpin, and all of their chairs also have the hydraulic sound, which made me laugh a lot. That it's was like great. every time somebody moves, it's like <laughs> it, was, it, was so, it was so good. Uh, when yeah. doors close, like the doors are automatic. Yeah, although they kind of bounce back. So oh yeah, they're they're not great. They're not great. <laughs> but man, I I love. Uh, yeah, I love that. Like, okay, so being a futurist is bad, apparently, according to this, because he was all about like technology, the future. He probably had a cell phone. God yeah. forbid. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Adrian Veidt from Watchmen because yeah. remember at the end of Watchmen, he's got the billion video screens. Yeah. There was something. I guess just sinister about that in the eighties. If you got, I think so. if you got I mean, more than one screen, you're up to no good. Because in that movie too, there's a lot of stuff at that time. Like I don't remember when was it called Sliver. There's a lot of movies where people are watching you. Yeah, and so I think with that new technology of video cameras and stuff, whereas you know film was precious, it took all this time. Video cameras, it was like people are always watching. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a very sinister. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah. yeah, like I think it's like pe- people are always watching you. This guy's always watching. He's always in control, and he's. I think it's interesting that they went 
like that was their take on Kingpin was that he's got all this technology up in his tower. Everything is automated. Everything is video. He's got those, you know, for the time, futuristic glasses with yep. the reflections in them, even though it's pitch black in his room. Yeah. Like there's all that stuff that is just like, ooh. He's he gets like migraines tech. a lot. It's yeah, or they're blue blockers. So yeah, it's, it, he gets migraines, so he's got to put glasses on if he's going to watch the screen, so he doesn't sure, get headaches. Sure, that blue light from the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess it's blue light. He's I don't got know. the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sets it to that mode where the light turns off the blue light at yeah, a certain time of night. Yeah. You know. Uh, so we pick up with their relationship already established. That being the Kingpin and Daredevil are already arch nemeses, yes. which I loved. Yes, I'm glad that we didn't have to do the shoe leather of. Them meeting for the first time, them becoming enemies. I'm glad we didn't have to watch really Daredevil become this figure in the community. I was glad we could jump right into that. I thought that was really cool and fun. I wish we would have had a little bit more of Daredevil and the Kingpin coming face to face. But I get the impression, and we discussed this, that probably John Reese Davies was on set for maximum two days, maybe. He's pretty much on one set, doesn't have any action scenes, and... Never comes really face-to-face with Daredevil, except for I think there's one rooftop scene where Daredevil comes out the door, says one line to Kingpin, and then the Kingpin gets into his magical flying rowboat and then yeah. flies off. Because yeah. at the end, this is the most common... Because I said to you in the middle, I was like, even though... And you touched on this earlier. I said, even though the last one had a fucking Norse god getting summoned by a magical hammer, uh-huh. this one is a hundred times more comic booky. Than the last one, and it's yeah. because of Kingpin, because of his dumb glasses, his dumb plans. It just felt so arch. Everything was so Everything arch, was arch yeah. which I don't mind. Like I don't hate. Like I think it's fun. I, I think that was one thing that the the movie needed that Thor certainly brought in the last one was the fun. Yeah, like we had a blast with Thor. And I King, missed Thor in this one. I King, wish he could have shown him back up. Yeah, I mean, and that would have been an awesome third movie. All oh, of them come together. Like, their own Avengers. Yeah, like the Avengers. <sighs> well, no, what could have been? Strap in, because the last movie is definitely not fun. I mean, it's great. It's great. Just like we'll this tell one you great. why. We'll tell you why it's We're great. We're definitely going to tell you why it's but great. But we won't tell you why it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think seeing the Kingpin like relish in what he does kind of takes it to another level. And he's so... Every monologue or soliloquy that he gives is so Shakespearean of like, we will present this script. Like there's nothing that he says just sort of normal. Yeah. Um, and then juxtaposed with Edgar, who's very subdued and his, his right hand man. And he's just hoping to get back to Ellie and yeah. And, fall and in love. woo, woo her yeah. somehow, even yeah. though he had tried to murder her. Um, but yeah, so I think there's, but, but I think they did a really great job of, at least from me, setting up what a Daredevil show could be. Yeah, yeah. And I, it felt very 80s to me. It felt very like, oh, I, I totally, or, or even 90s. Like it was shot, it was, came out in 1989. Yeah. But like, I would have watched that show, honestly. Yeah, like, me too, probably. Let's you be know, real. there was also Slim Pickens back then. But yeah. But I would have checked it out based on this movie, even though I, I agree, I liked the first movie better, The Incredible Hulk Returns. But this one, like, was very clear about what Daredevil's world was, what his obstacles were. I think maybe could have been a little bit clearer about, like you said, what he was really trying to do. But I think they did set up like he he says at one point, "I'm not doing this for revenge. Like I'm doing this basically for justice. I yeah. want to, you know, help people." And you know, maybe they could have explored a little bit more in the show, like what exactly that would mean, and yeah. etc. But I, I definitely 
would have watched it and and hoped that the fight choreography would yeah be a more exciting. I, I I also wonder would Fisk have I presume he would have come back had a Daredevil show gone to air gone to series rather. Yeah, I mean at least as a like season big bad or a series big bad. Yeah. Of, like maybe he's not in every episode, but maybe he's. But would know. he have? Would his approach have changed? Would he have? tone it down a little bit like i'm curious what the tone of that that whole show would be yeah because that kingpin doesn't really fit with what the rest of that show was which is pretty grounded yeah uh because this one feels like on set he would do one take and be like william was that okay would you like another bill bixby yeah he can't call bill bixby bill he calls him william i can do another and he's like but uh, only one but only one more uh, and he's like, no, 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 we got to move on. He's like, sounds great, because he loves to roll his R's. Uh, so yeah, I would have been very curious in a in a fantasy world, you know, in an alternate yeah. universe where that show would have been the biggest hit. I'd be curious what the Kingpin would have ultimately been like, and uh, would they have eventually done the thing kind of like they did with Lex Luthor in Superman Two, or where? At what point does he pull his wig off? Is it the end of Superman Two, or he does it in the first? Superman. Oh, it does. Okay, yeah. but he's. Got hair for most of it, and then it's revealed to be a wig. I wonder if he would have eventually shaved his head mm. to be comic book accurate, because that's pretty easy to do. In Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Lex Luthor, who I thought they did a wonderful job with, um, he had hair uh, the first season, mm-hmm. and then when he came back after being dead, spoiler, then he was bald. Hmm. Like, when he came back, he was the bald version of Lex Luthor. Cool. So maybe they could have done something in uh, the Daredevil show. Yeah. Of, like, he's... Got hair in the beginning, and then uh, gets alopecia or something. Yeah, and obviously the greatest uh, version of Lex Luthor, played by Jesse Eisenberg, in the more recent movies, had hair for that first one, and then for some reason is bald later. Maybe they shaved his head when he went to prison? Why are you doing this? <laughs> because it's so good. It's so good. His, his, his Lex Luthor, great. the most intimidating... Obviously, the smartest guy in whatever room he's in. Sure. He's got it all figured out. He's got a whole social network. He's got a whole social network. He made uh, that one senator drink piss, or potentially drink piss. Nice. Uh, that was nice. pretty pretty good. He blew up uh, part of Congress. I Yikes. mean, that guy knows what's up. Yeah. He figured out both Superman and Batman's identities, apparently. Yeah. Which wouldn't be that hard. Let's be real. <laughs> Clark Kent doesn't even want to pay attention. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you're... You're the giant, buff, extremely handsome dude that works at the Daily Bugle. Okay. I saw the your Daily picture. Bugle? Or, sorry, the Daily Planet. <sighs> sorry. Whoa. Whoa. Ugh. Oh, by the way, uh, when they when they fight Daredevil and they get it, they spring the trap on Daredevil, it's at the web. Yeah. And I got real excited. I was like, are they, like, hinting at Spider-Man shit? Because I, I was... And re- they were, and he showed up. Nope, he didn't. Oh. That would have been cool. Even if it was, like, the 70s Spider-Man guy the same guy that played peter parker in the 70s show uh-huh. but he's 10 years older and he's probably like out of shape yeah uh, that would have been awesome i would have loved for him to show up yeah because did you ever watch that show i watched that show on vhs so when yeah. we had a walgreens nearby mm-hmm. and they would sell just base i think it was maybe like a couple episodes on a vhs tape yeah and i remember i got um a vhs tape that was called photo finish mm. and did it have one episode or Photo, because Peter Parker takes pictures for the Daily Bugle, yes. not the planet. Yes. So that's how I saw that show, that wah, 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 mm-hmm. like that, um, which I don't know how old I was when I first saw that show, but it left me wanting a little bit. 
I think I had one tape also that was, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it was like the pilot or something like that. But I want to say it was like a couple, like two or three episodes edited together as if it were a movie. Oh. Even though it was clearly just like three episodes strung yeah. together. And much like I bet you did for the Hulk show, I would just fast forward through all the parts that weren't Spider-Man. Because it was very little Spider-Man action. Yeah, there was, and it was very little. Very, very little of him actually wall crawling. But that was my favorite part. So I would just watch him wall crawl. And then I would rewind it and just watch him wall crawl again because I thought that was the coolest fucking thing I'd ever seen in my life. Because I've always been obsessed with Spider-Man. Yeah. So, obviously, if, if I was watching a movie about Daredevil and the Hulk and they mentioned the word web and I'm like, <gasps> Spider-Man, is he going to show up? But I think a Daredevil show could have worked. I think it could have been good. I think, like, like I said, I kind of wanted more from this guy. But the more I sit with it, the more we talk about it, I think that he had the potential to go on and, and do the right thing. Because he did play the different aspects of the Daredevil character. The happy-go-lucky side, the romantic side, the brooding side. He did do all of that. Uh, he played blind pretty well, actually. Not as well as Charlie Cox, I don't think. But right. I think had they also given him like the, the blind man sunglasses, that would have been yeah. a good move. And I think, uh, I think the Hulk was fun when we saw him. Yeah. I think he was pretty fun. Kingpin was great. Kingpin was fantastic. Just watch the Kingpin. Look up on YouTube. I'm sure the Kingpin scenes are there. They are wild, and you got to see them to believe them. Yeah, there was. I think he also had some good lines. The uh, guy who played Daredevil, like they gave him some nice lines of like commenting on the blindness and just he had yeah. he had a he had a certain charm to him. Yeah. What the I just want to ask you very quickly about like the music because I know we both really love the music in the mm-hmm. first movie. Mm-hmm. This movie, again, since I saw it as a kid, um, it was really ingrained in my head. Like especially when the bad guys were going for the um, the diamonds, and then when they attack Ellie, they have their own sort of theme, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really cool as a kid. Um, hearing it now, the music is fine. I think mm-hmm. like the first movie was more operatic. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just did. You have any thoughts on the on why the music was great? It was okay. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. it was. Okay, it wasn't as strong. It also wasn't as featured. It wasn't featured as much. Yeah, I think last time there were a lot of scenes that were very quiet, where the music carried you through. Yeah, uh, this was a much louder movie, and when things were happening, it was a little bit more bombastic, and there wasn't as much drawing the tension out of the quiet moments. It was pretty go, go, go the whole yeah. time. So I didn't have a chance to like linger in the music and live in the music as much. I thought it was fine, but I just don't, I don't, it didn't jump out at me as much this time. It's interesting to think about Bill Bixby directing this because there were a lot more moments. William Bixby. William Bixby. Um, because there were a lot more moments that were heightened and that were like, yes. there was a lot more, escalations of scenes that were like very dramatic and were really ramped up. And to the point where I remember as a kid thinking like, Oh God, he's going to turn into the Hulk. Cause he's like yelling. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't, but I just, as I watched it this time, thinking about Bill Bixby directing it, like what he wanted as a director out of these performances. Yeah. And even potentially why it feels like there's different movies. If he concentrated on or connected with different actors on different elements of things that he liked, like Ellie's whole story, I'm sure he, Ellie Mendes, he he ate up because I think that had the most real emotional weight of anything. The most, I mean, it's a very, it's a very, uh, story that hits home for 2023 as much as it did in 1989 of a woman being unsafe in her, just in life. Yeah, just living and, her life. Yeah, and the fact that even one, after she was assaulted, which got her into embroiled in this 
problem where she's possibly getting murdered. She's getting kidnapped. Even then, there's still a guy creeping on her. Yeah. It's like, fucking hey, when can this lady get a break? And she plays it very real. She plays it like a real human would act. Yeah. And my favorite moment, maybe of the entire movie, is the moment when they have lured Daredevil into the trap. He's trying to rescue her. She's tied to a chair in this old movie studio called The Web for some reason. And she just screams as loud as she can, what is happening? Yeah. Or something to that yeah. effect. Yeah. And it's because like the Hulk came out and started trashing people. Daredevil just got his ass beat. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Basically. And I thought that was so real. I and lo- such so, a raw moment. I'm so glad you said that. Because I, I I know that can maybe feel over the top. But I love that moment. She was and fantastic in the whole movie, when, I thought. When she just... St- She's strapped to a chair. Hulk comes out. Like, there's so much chaos going on. She's, I joked to you, like, she's had a pretty rough few days. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, like, yeah. but it's so true. Like, she just leans back and is like, what is happening? And she had these great uh, veins in her neck. She tensed her neck up in such a way a, th- a couple of times in the movie. It's like a great singer. They always have that vein yeah. on the side of their neck. That was her. That was yeah. her like way of really emoting was a lot of neck acting. Yeah, I want to look her up later of like what her training or whatever and stuff was. Let's let's see what she's done real quick. Marta Dubois. Her last performance was in Bones in 2013. I hope. Oh, apparently she passed away at age 65 oh. on in 2018. Sad to hear. But let's see if she did anything major beyond the Hulk. Because I, I, she was in something. She recurred in something called McBride, which looks like it was like a TV movie series. Uh, uh, two episodes of Martin, <laughs> which is a great show. Uh, three episodes of Matlock. Okay. Six episodes of Magnum PI. She was apparently Magnum PI's uh, thought dead wife originally. Yeah, so not really a lot online about her. That's I mean, I think she was just like a kind of under-the-radar working actor. The, another thing that I thought was so great about her performance was at the... Oh, my God. I Actually, the more I think about her performance, the more I like it. But when she was in the train car in the beginning, mm-hmm. and she's like, asks him, will you please sit next to me and pretend we're together? So yeah. And, and he doesn't, you know? Yeah. And then the guy comes over and starts harassing her and he grabs her by the hair. Right. And she looks down at David and she just says, please. Like I yeah. bought it. Like that whole thing. I just felt so horrible for her. Then at the end, she, then she got, she has so much that she goes through in this movie. Yeah. And when she screams, what is happening? I, I love that moment, as you said. And then at the end, towards the end, when Edgar is still creeping on her and is like, what if none of this had ever happened and you were at a restaurant and the waiter came over and brought you some champagne and said, this is from the guy in the corner booth and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and what if you turned and I was the guy in the corner booth and the waiter says, you know, what would you say? And she says, Oh, I would say he looks like a very nice man and I would enjoy the company. And, you know, I think she ends with, and and he seems like a very nice man. And he says, oh, thank you. And she says, but I would be wrong. And like, it's such an interesting way that scene plays out. Again, it feels like a different movie than than this movie. It a hundred percent is. But I still love the way that it plays out of like, you expect her to go, I would say, throw, you know, throw this in his face. Like you expect her to lash out at him. And instead she plays it which to me as you said it even plays today where i feel like so many times women need to keep their emotions a certain way yeah and she plays it out 
very slowly of like, oh, I would say he seems very nice. And then as he lowers his guard, she's like, but I would be wrong. Yeah. You guys are monsters. And I just thought that was so cool. I really liked that moment. I thought that that scene was maybe the best directed scene in the movie. It, it's in a, such an odd place because it's in the third act. It's yeah. while Daredevil and uh, Banner are making their way inside on their assault on this fortress. And they're just having this weird, quiet scene. Yeah. And they are both tertiary characters that have no real bearing on the plot. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's still one of the more compelling scenes of the whole movie. Yeah. Because I think it was two good actors. She's very good. And yeah. I thought that the Edgar guy was really doing a weird performance, like mm-hmm. very quiet, very inward performance. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was kind of interesting in it. Yeah, and I thought I that them together was a good little alchemy. Yeah. And it made for a really good scene. It was almost as if, like, I don't know, like, uh, Ferrigno can't be here this day. What are we going to shoot? <laughs> Let's write this weird scene that kind of means nothing. Yeah. But really added a lot to Ellie's character, which made me wonder, I wonder if Ellie was going to recur in the Daredevil show. Maybe oh, make it like yeah. a love triangle with I him and with, with uh, Kristen. But you could just tell that, like, care went into... The performances, I think that Bixby was probably an actor's actor. Yeah. He seemed that way, at least in the couple of interviews I've watched. Yeah. And an I think that director. he pulled... Yeah, an actor's director. Uh, so he probably pulled what are the best performances of the movie out of those two yeah. in that moment. And uh, I thought it was I thought it was quite good. And yeah. I think her story was really interesting and I think the best part of the movie. I think her she was great. Her story was great. Uh, it's unfortunate that she is just the damsel. She's just the princess in the tower, quite literally, yeah. uh, to be rescued. But she brought so much, to your point, to that role. So much nuance and so much... She she clearly cared. And she was really giving a very honest performance. And I thought that that helped elevate that whole storyline. Absolutely. And that even, was great. And that was great. <laughs> even though she is the damsel, even when she goes up... She's brought before Kingpin... She's like, I had a life. Like, she's still, particularly for that time, I feel like they gave her a little bit more, at least internally, to feel and to express about, like, this isn't right. Like, all I did was say no to this guy, and you guys are ruining my life. Like, let me go. Fuck you. You know, like, it wasn't her just whimpering and being like, somebody please save me. Yeah. Um, So I thought that was was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's only one thing I want to bring up We've touched on it before, but I really want to focus on one part that I I think is undeniably great about this movie, and that is the space boat (laughs) at the very end. Kingpin and Edgar get inside a... Well, they go inside a room, or Kingpin slinks inside the room, locks the door, Daredevil's beating on the door. Next thing you know, the walls of the room are just falling, and he's having to roll out of the way. We hear a rotor starting. We hear engines firing up. And I thought, oh, surely they have a helicopter hidden. And I was like, because cool. it's on top of the, it's on. They're the roof. on a roof. Yeah, sorry, they're on the roof of the building. And I was like, oh, cool, they had a secret helicopter hidden. That's great. And then when we see what it is, it is not a helicopter. It's basically a speedboat. Uh-huh. Oh, it looks like the land speeder it from. Looks like the land speeder. It looks like yeah. the land speeder from Star Wars, the very first one that we see on Tatooine, with a bigger engine on the back, mm-hmm. with a big like thruster basically on the back. And it slowly <laughs> raises and then slowly flies away as Daredevil screams, cl- like screams and grabs at it and can't do anything about it. And that was so odd to me 
Because I know this is a science fiction thing, and again, we had a we had Thor in the last movie. Mm-hmm. We also have a guy who can fight like a ninja because he got splashed with radioactive chemicals and yada yada. But this actually was the most bridge too far for me. <laughs> the most comic booky thing that could have happened, really. For sure. I mean, all of every aspect of Kingpin was way comic book, way over the top. And this was truly this just like sent us right over the edge. Also, oh, also because on the side it says Fisk. And then it says F1. Wow. Like it's his Air Force One. Oh my God. And I, that's when I was like, wow. And he's just like advertising. Like, I don't know. Is this a weird... Why? If you can commission the technology to make a flying car, essentially, mm-hmm. why do you need to be a crime boss? Sell the flying car, patent that shit, and put it out on the market. And you know that people would buy it. Yeah. You know, why are you stealing diamonds? You have like a billion dollar idea just sitting on your roof for a quick escape if you need it. But maybe it's about the control. Maybe it's not about the money. It's about the control. He yeah, gives the so. diamonds to the other crime lords from all the different cities to That's get true. them so that he could become the head of the octopus. Maybe he just wants to be the one in control. Same thing with this car. He's like, I'm not giving this patent to anybody. I don't want anybody else to build this. I want the only flying car to be a fisk to, to be car. A fisk car. Yeah. But he could put out like fisk, you know, motor company. And it could be all flying cars, like the DeLorean Motor Company. Like, sure. a one man runs a car company, and like, hopefully it would do better than the DeLorean, because that's certainly <laughs> crashed and burned. Maybe that's what he's worried about. Maybe, maybe. Maybe he maybe he looked into it, and just the overhead was too high. Sure. The parts are expensive. Who's going to pay for a flying car that's basically a two-seater with no storage space at all? Yeah. Like you couldn't even really, like, put... Uh, I guess if you flew by yourself, you could put groceries in the passenger seat, but... And he I'm, has groceries delivered. Yeah, well, obviously. But he videotapes them while they're delivering the groceries. Also, Put obviously. Put them on the floor. I, I want more cabbage. <laughs> that mango looks ripe. <laughs> Pick it. Um, yeah, so anyway, I just really wanted to like focus on the, the, speed, the flying speedboat because I think that that is... The wackiest shit I've ever seen. How about that effect too? When it flies oh yeah, it was. The sky? I mean, that was great. That was just like old school, like optical effects. That was great. I I was. Uh, I'm trying to think back to when I first saw that happen. If I thought it was cool or if I thought it was weird, and I I don't remember. Ex- I remember the moment of seeing it, and it just felt like a comic book to me. So yeah. I don't think I had any sort of like big reaction as a kid, but certainly seeing it, it is like kind of crazy. But again, maybe that's what they were trying to do for the show is like, look, there's also this really cool, I mean, you know, Batman, the animated series had those big Zeppelins and stuff. Maybe this is their sort of like, and he's got a flying car. I mean, maybe, maybe it seems weird for a very otherwise grounded. Yeah. What a grounded show that would have been. But, and do you think that like Matt Murdock afterwards was like, dude, uh, Hulk, he had a fucking flying car, man. Like if like Banner was like, oh shit, how'd he get away? Was he just like, you're not going to fucking believe it if I tell you. <laughs> he's like, bro. He's like, Shit. Uh, he didn't see it. He didn't lay eyes on it, obviously, because right. he's blind. But he's he like, sensed it. Yeah, it's like my weird radar sense got this impression of like a flying boat. Yeah. And you're like, man, you're crazy. You're crazy, you're crazy man. man. Crazy. He's like, he's like, what, man? Was it like a helicopter? No. Did you ever see Star Wars? Me either. But I heard about it. <laughs> yeah. And... It was like that, I think. Did you see Star Wars? Like, bro, I lost my sight when I was 13. Oh, wait, actually... Maybe he... Maybe, maybe he did see it. Hmm. He was 14. No, he was... he was Because they have the... 
the thing on the wall that's like this is um uh, oh yeah 1968 he 68. said 68 so he, he, de- no, no, he definitely it. wouldn't have seen it wouldn't like seen it. i don't know what the he, last movie he saw was i don't know easy rider or something i don't know last movie he saw was like jason and the argonauts yeah some bullshit that's i not, love that that's, movie that's not bullshit i love that's not that bullshit. Movie. i knew i i knew i'd stepped in it as soon as i said that oh don't boy you, don't you make me go harryhausen oh boy oh boy well guys i think we did it i we think we it. we've talked about this movie it's an interesting movie it's definitely worth a watch i think uh it's fun it's weird it's kooky you gotta watch these kingpin segments Ellie gives a great performance, dynamite knockout, and it is always fun to see the Hulk doing his thing. It's always fun to see Daredevil doing his thing. I think it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I I highly recommend it. Again, the trial room, the the courtroom Hulk out is one of my favorite Hulk outs of all time. So even if you just look that up on YouTube, it's worth it. Yeah, basically look up the greatest hits. Look up the Kingpin, look up the Hulk out in the courtroom. Yeah, the Hulk out in the courtroom is just a blast. Yeah. And I I think that's definitely worth watching. And I think they definitely spent 90% of their Hulk budget on that one scene. And it (laughs) wasn't even real. show up at the end and they're like, oh, forget Uh, it. No, man, we we can't. Something about using your science or something. Yeah, we can't get Ferrigno for one more day. So uh, no, no can do. But that's our show. Thank yeah. you guys for listening. Thanks for being patient with us. Uh, we know we said it was going to be twelve month, once a month for 12 months, and we missed it. But uh, we missed February. But hey, we're back. We did it, yeah. baby. And that's why we're great. And what's great is we're back. We are back. We're going to be back with the next one, the death of the Incredible Hulk. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, finish out the trilogy. Finish out the trilogy next month. And then after we're done with the Hulk, who knows what we're going to do. But we are still going to keep doing this thing and keep doing more subjects. I think it's going to be my turn to pick one yes. next. So let's see what that's going to be. Who knows? It could be anything from, I don't know, Metallica, St. Anger, one of their much uh, beleaguered albums. Uh, could be, I don't know, could be another movie. We'll see. The I'm world, excited. The world is our oyster. Whatever it is, it'll be great. Whatever it is, it will be great. Seb, thank you so much for hanging out, for watching a fun movie. I I had a blast. Absolutely my pleasure. I was so excited to watch this one with you because of Daredevil. And I was really happy to hear all your thoughts on it. Gotta love some Daredevil. And folks, thanks again for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Here's Why It's Great. Yet in Moria, who still draws practice.